When was the last time someone held you? When's the last time uh, you held someone? Those two can be coupled together. That would be a two for one. Right, here we go. Um, that's okay. Unplug it and then restart it. Where do you go when you feel No, it's, it's, it's me. I haven't. Where do you go? There we go. How do you respond to someone who <laughs> I don't even know what you're saying. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And how do you respond to someone who needs correction? What does it mean to have a home? Again, these are overwhelming, utterly overwhelming questions. The question, the, my question is which question is sticking to you? What does it look like for you to do something outside of your comfort zone or expertise? A lot of you can probably testify that right now. Uh, do you believe in the power of prayer? Do you believe in the power of prayer? Are you able to name a few disciples and to maybe make that a little bit more contextualized? People who would like listen to you and follow you. Do you, do you are you able to name a few people who trust you that much? Uh, what would it look like for you to experience restorative spaces of respite? To get away daily, to withdraw weekly, to abandon annually. Uh, what would you be... When would you be willing to create space for those who are struggling? Those in your life, around your life, consider also the poor, the marginalized, the widow and orphan and foreigner. God loves everyone, but he really, really loves them. He loves everyone, it's a mystery. Do you want to just look at that for a second? And process, this is like where we, we let God do a work right now. What question is sticking out to you? There may be a couple, I want to challenge you to just name one if you have to, too. All right, so just a little bit. I extrapolated these questions actually from our series that we're going in this fall. I've been thinking through the footsteps of Jesus, and these are just kind of questions that bubble to the surface that may or may not, uh, yeah. spirit depending, we'll talk about in the next couple of months. But what I'm curious now is this question below is, what questions stand out to you? And what's happening inside of you? as you consider that question. So I actually want us to take some time and talk with one another and just share with us uh, what one question is sticking out to us and what's going inside of us. Because there actually can be a lot going on. There can be resistance, there can be anger, there can be um, a lot of joy, there can be the whole continuum, and all of that matters. All of that truly matters. So take a moment and just share with someone what question is standing out to you, and, and just perhaps being vulnerable as you want to be, share what's What's why that's stirring? All right. Go and talk to some other We're big. We're great about Jesus, and um, he's highly considered by including those in modern academia to be the greatest teacher in history, which is why he's made such a mark. But it's good he's getting you guys together because even backwards speaking, it says to bring to get another brother and. Reflective yeah. questions. Yeah. And he did provide responses, but they were like heart searching, thoughtful responses. That's, if you read about him, scholars say that he asked about 300 questions, he was asked about a little less than 200, and then he gave less than 10 direct answers. <laughs> but the, the, he gave many answers, but they were not as direct. They were, they were a way to, to provide a conversation for people with, with God. That was his brilliance. He used his words to call people into a healing conversation, into the holistic work of God. He, he was just an amazing prophet um, that walked the earth, and we, of course, believe he's God. And he, he imparted to us 
post-resurrection, this authority. It's like, all authority has been given to me, now I want you to go. Go and, and baptize. And, and that might seem like a weird word, it's just means to confess, publicly complain your faith to me, and help others do the same, teach them, counsel them, comfort them, pray over them, um, share, ask them questions, teach them, do these things that I have done, uh, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to be with them as you do that. And, and we, we really believe, as we talked about embracing our identity, our, our child likeness, as Carrie holds my boy and Jack right there, we also, there's an authority that's given to us. And I think some of us have issues with the term authority, for sure, especially in our technocratic society where you see misuse of power here and there. But just to, just to address that, what is authority? Authority is um, being put in a place where you have access to power, right? And we've seen that misuse in the media, with churches for sure, through our government, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? But we don't want to get rid of authority altogether because we believe in society, societal laws. We believe that authority does make sense. And if you exist in a place where there's no authority, that, that means there's no power, that place in the very least is boring and it's not going to create any change. Conversely, if you believe in a place of ultimate authority and, and using your authority to, to an unnecessary, unhealthy degree, that place is going to be coercive and likely oppressive. But Jesus' authority was different. His authority was all about serving others with self-giving love. A lot about what Ryan Orlando and Laura are talking about, when you hear from God, is it loving, is it tender? When you see people exercising authority, is it loving, is it tender, is it kind? Sure, they can be conviction, but there should not be condemnation. So that's that's like that's where we want to be as a church. So if you're part of the church, like that's what it means. We want to use our authority because the primary way in which we use our authority, one of the foundational ways, that I'll read from the scripture, I'll extrapolate our high five real quick, then we'll do some s'mores. But as we're trying to reiterate this weekend is that we we use our voice to speak God's words, to hear from God, of course, and speak God's words and help others do the same. I think another way you can say that is we use our ears to hear God's love and then speak God's love and help others do the same. That is like the foundational way that we use our authority here. That's as, as followers of Jesus. And you see that. Um, and you see God, Jesus, use authority really uniquely in a wonderful way and explains to us um, how, how we, what are, what are some of the ways that we can exercise our authority as a church? Okay, so I'm going to just go through that and give us a high five. And then we're going to go sing a song, embracing our identity, but also using our words to sing that song with God's authority. So, uh, yeah, what happened with Jesus? He got baptized. It was awesome. They said the baptism, and the Holy Spirit came on and was like poured over him, and then the Spirit leads him um, a few miles into the wilderness, which is a desert, Judean, wadi spot in the Judean mountains. I actually have a rock in there. It's pretty dope. And he, he fasted for 40 days, which means, yes, he did drink water. He can't survive without water, but he didn't eat. And so what happens is this was a test for him to see if he could be God's representative. He could, if he could exercise authority and, and to celebrate and, and commission the kingdom of God, which is just the reign and rule of God. That was why he went out there. It was a testing and a, a confirming of his call. So I'm just going to read that. It's going to be, again, if you're not new to this, it'll probably seem weird. We're going to talk about the enemy, the devil. But I think it's helpful for us to consider the ways that we exercise our authority. 
It says in Luke 4, verse 1 to 13, that Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you're the Son of God, if you're the Son of God, going after his identity, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Woman also. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor that's been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it's all going to be yours. And Jesus answered, it's, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, it's the devil speaking, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so you will not strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then when the devil finished all this tempting, he, he left him until an opportune time, which we would know to be the cross. Um, so the question we're asking again, that's a very rich passage. There's a lot going on there. But I just want to reflect on a few ways of how Jesus uses authority and how we too use our authority uh, so that we can, again, speak God's loving words to others, as well as here for our own lives. And so the first thing is this, it seems like really simple, but the ways that we exercise authority is that we give ourselves the dignity to get away. That we actually create space in our life to get away from life, to hear from God. You actually did that this weekend, hopefully, which is amazing that Jesus got away. He, the first thing he could have done is like run into ministry, but he got away, the, the spirit let him away. In his humanity, he was totally surrendered to the Spirit's work. He got a way to receive God's love in those 40 days to be built up and then to discern the calling that Jesus had in his life. But we need spaces in our life to get away. It is so necessary. And my hope is that this would be one of those spaces, but that you would have uh, the freedom to do that more, to get away. And it, like, obviously, we'd love to be a place where you can get away on Sundays and be with us, but other spaces that you would know that God wants you to rest in the week, that he wants you to take vacations from vacations and get away just to rest. Um, to know that he loves you that much and that's okay. Another way that we, um, I, the question is helpful is what are the spaces you like to get away to do this? Essentially, to get away to hear God, to receive God's love and hear, receive God's love and receive God's call. Uh, the next way in which we exercise authority is we have to understand, and yes, this might you might not agree with this, but this is what we believe, is that we are in a spiritual battle in this world, and that our battle is not with other people. We live in a world right now that is trying to demonize the other side. That happens not just in the world, it happens even in the church. It's a thing, and we're trying to grow up that way, and like learn to live with one another, not just coexist, but serve and care for each other, even if we have differing opinions on those things that are tertiary, and even if we have differing opinions on those things that are really primary. But we live in a spiritual battle. There's, there's forces that are trying to, to break up your marriage. There's forces that are trying to make you demonize your kids. There's forces that are making us like not like each other during the day. And that's, that's not the other person. There's, 
There's a spiritual battle going on. And, and Pete uh, Greg writes this, we actually talked about this the other day. In the West, in the West it's a little bit more covert because we're very modern and we have all a lot of privileges. And if you go in more struggling areas of the world, it's more overt. You see some dark forces at work. But in the West, it says we jettison evil. We don't like the world evil because it proposes moral absolutes. But it is harder to say that Holocaust and ethnic cleansing and serial killings are just bad psychological and sociological adjustments. There's evil in this world. The good news is when Jesus goes in the desert, this isn't this isn't Star Wars. I love Star Wars. This isn't like the light versus the dark side. This is a created being, he said to me, and the God of the universe. And you who stand with the God of the universe have no ultimate, for lack of a better word, worry. You are in Christ despite the difficult circumstances you're in. The God of the universe loves you and cares for you. It's no contest. Amen. The devil is not God's evil twin. Just a created being who's trying to mess with you, does have power, does try to affect different principalities and collective forces, but when you're with God, you are, you're protected. Even when you feel naked and alone, and all of us go that way. The devil is coming after life, and one of his primary tactics is really lies. Lies about yourself and lies about others, which kind of leads to the third way in which we exercise our authority that's rooted in our identity, is that, yeah, we, we get away and create space for God, receive love, we understand we're in battle, and through that battle, we begin to deduce the lies that we hear. The lies that we hear inside of our hearts about how much we suck or how much we failed or the lies that we hear from others at times. We are able to deduce them, name them. I mean, those three temptations that the devil, the devil does, they come in straight conflict with Jesus' identity calling from the Father. When he says, turn this stone into bread, he's saying, what do you have? What do you have? Oh, I mean, I'm sorry, what can you do? What can you do around? Show me something. Do something. When he says, throw yourself down in front of a bunch of people at the highest point, that was one of the most crowded spots in ancient times. He's saying, Mar make the people marvel. Have other people think of you very well. Um, when he says, hey, I'll give you everything. All you got to do is worship me. He's challenging and saying, look what you can have. But the lie is, like we said yesterday, that I am what I can do, what other people think, and what I have. No, no, he already knows who he is. He's... If you're the son of God, I am the son of God. It's not me. I am the son of God. But Jesus is saying, I'm the son of God. I am the son of God. And I'm God's whom he loves. And with me, he's already well pleased. I don't have to prove any of those things to you. That's what that testing affirms. This is his primary enemy. We need people. There's other lines there that, that are really good to unearth. I.e. that we think we should get what we want when we want. That's actually a lie, too. Hey, you need something right now, you should have it right away. That's, I don't want it. If we live that life, we don't want to be more miserable. There's another lie that God needs to show up miraculously every time. Hey, God should catch you. Like, I'm not going to test God. Sometimes God does show up, but there's other times where he doesn't. And it's difficult, but I'm going to trust him on this side and talk to him about it on the next side. And then uh, the last lie is like, hey, you worship me? It's like, the lie is that we can live in a world would be just fine without God. It's like, that road, I'm going to tell you, I liked how Matt testified, talked about being a tax collector, the one who uh, was doing his own thing and the God called him into it, something uh, more fulfilling, more compelling. 
The road is about to hide something in some way. A lot of us are dealing with loneliness, and that's a real thing. But that's why God gave us the church, is to look after one another. And we want people to know that they're not alone, and that what they're going through matters. And in truth, there will be difficult roads that we walk. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be a lonesome road. Because in the end, on the most difficult days, you can suffer alone, or you can suffer with God and others. And, and we ask anybody here that you would choose the latter. In fact, that's what compassion means, is to suffer with others. So that's the way we exercise our authority, to do the lives and to walk the road with God. And then four, to verbally speak God's truth with our mouth. And it's hard. It's a, it's a hard conversation. That can feel so brand new and so abstract to so many of us. But there's just something wonderful when somebody takes a risk and share what God's up to. If we even, like, said to one another, like, man, I'm just sensing this from God to be there. It just produces trust in our heart. When, when Ryan was sharing about, like, not being perfect before God, he can't be with God, God still loves him and he's a good cop, there was something happening in the room where, like, I kind of like hear that. I I think I need to hear that. There's someone, what Laura was talking about coming back to flood, I saw tears of people kind of coming back to water's edge. There was, like, tears in the eyes. Like, yes. We, we do want to take a risk and say, hey, I'm sending this for you, God, because like, oh, we're reminded that we're in a living, active relationship with the God. We're not just talking about history, we're talking about today. God in real time. God in real time. Last thing, one of the ways that we exercise our authority in Christ is that we, as Jesus does from this moment, is that we enter into kingdom efforts. That we step into kingdom efforts. We're kingdom efforts. Jesus was about healing. He was about feeding people. Redemption. Being taken in. Hospitality taking other people in. Delivering people for sure. Delivering people lines. Redeeming people who thought they would never be already God died. Reconciling families. Reconciling different people groups. About renewal. That's what Jesus is about. Restoration. Resurrection. And, and that's what we want to be as a church. We, we love being with each other, but I think we love that much more when someone takes a kid in their home. We all want to rally around that home and say, okay, like, how are we serving you? How are we serving this family? And yeah, we're a small, small church, no doubt. But I like it. Because together we still have to do some mighty things. And I think that the truth is we have the power to do some amazing things. Change is coming on the horizon, and that's okay. Because God has called us, we have his identity that he's given to us, and we've been given authority in Christ. And so the call for like the pre-Christian in the room, or the non-Christian, whatever you want to be, is like, uh, to speak God's word, to speak God's love, it does require giving your, your life to God. But it's, that's the best hands you can give to. He's the one who's going to care for you the most. I tell you what, and he will be with you, he'll never leave you or forsake you. That's what the scriptures there's some weird stuff in the scriptures we have in the but when you look at the meta-narrative, it's always been his story of chasing after you because he loves you. Uh, the call to churches, we shan't speak in God's name if our lives aren't bearing the fruit of Christ's lives. Now we want to continue to step into kingdom efforts together because it is good for us as much as it is for anybody else. Amen? That's like the homilist version. Feel good about it, right, Coco? <laughs>
Um, so uh, the question that I have is like, as you process those questions beforehand, what is God stirring into you? What invitation may he have for you? What challenge could he have for you? His challenge is going to be loving too. Or even as you hear about who we're trying to be as a church, people who share God's love with one another and others, like what is the invitation for you? I, I don't know that. I'm curious. I, and I'd love to hear more. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's pray. Let's go pick up our kids. And then let's go have a fire again. So Lord, we thank you for this space, this place. We thank you for the peace today. Lord, I know that you are the God who begins good works and carries completion. Each person here is a work. Your scripture says that they are a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. They are, that word masterpiece is always that they're your, they're your, your full work. And that Lord, I just pray that all of us would surrender our lives and even our agendas to be a part of what you're doing. Because we know there's life there. And if for anybody here who's feeling alone or trying to walk this road alone, even though they may be around other people, they, they still feel distant from others, I pray that they would know there's a God whose arms are wide. Those arms, they see Jesus in the cross, one of the most beautiful things about it is his arms are open. And the beauty and the mystery of God, that he is dying to be with you. And he is bringing life today. So Lord, we praise you, we thank you for this time. We look forward to this morning, so we bless them. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> <laughs>